part of my destructive pattern with dating in the past was that I would be attracted to somebody or I would be intrigued by them or, you know, have a good first connection with them, but I would compromise on things that were really important to me. And so I would start to try to fit into what I thought they wanted. It would never work. Hello and welcome to Immigrantly. I am your host Sadia Khan. Dating can be a rocky ride at the best of times, especially in this day and age when narratives and how-tos are thrust upon us by the media, culture and even friends, right? It becomes hard to filter what we want out of a relationship from what society expects us to want. And then there is this issue of ignoring narratives that aren't as common or flashy. Our today's guest breaks it down for us. Felicia Jadzak is a tech guru, yes woman, radical speaker and consultant for diversity, equity and inclusion efforts. She is the co-founder and co-CEO of She Geeks Out, an organization committed to helping companies create and foster inclusivity in the workforce and workplace. Felicia shared some uncommon narratives about dating, human connection beyond physical appearance, and so much more. I can't wait for all of you to listen to our conversation. So let's get started. I am so excited to have you on our podcast. Since Immigrantly's season is about love, I want to start there. Whatever conjures to your mind or our listeners, maybe you could share an interesting, memorable, funny dating story with us. Yeah, I mean, I so I'm currently married and I've, I've been married for about a year and a half now. But before I met my now husband, I was chronically single for a very long time. And I was new, or I should say I was, I was late to the dating game. So I did not date at all during uh, high school or college. And even after college, I, I wasn't really dating that much. I only started dating probably in my mid twenties or so. And so I feel like I was um, a late bloomer when it comes to that. And, and there were a lot of reasons for it, but a lot of it had to do with the environments that I was in, um, my self-confidence, uh, how I was thinking about relationships. But once I did start dating, it was around the same time that online dating was getting really, really popular. So, you know, match.com and OkCupid and, um, you know, eHarmony and, and Tinder and all those things were exploding. So I did a lot of online dating. But one of my favorite dating stories is actually I had matched with this guy online a year or two before I actually met him. We had some Hmm. conversations, you know, we had some discussions back and forth. We planned a date. It didn't end up working out. I forget if he ghosted me or not, but it it was sort of a mutual fizzling away. And then fast forward, as I said, a year or two later, and I used to go rock climbing in the neighborhood that I lived in at the time. And on my way home, what I would do is make up for all of the exercise that I had done rock climbing by going to get pizza. So I just 
decided, let me go spend all of the non-existent calories that I just burned on some pizza and beer. So I went to this really tiny little place that I used to stop in at and it was super crowded. So I did manage to find a seat at the bar and I'm sitting at the bar, I'm eating my pizza, I'm having a beer. And suddenly, or I shouldn't say suddenly, over, over the course of probably a half hour or so, I started realizing that the guy who was sitting right next to me, I thought I knew him somehow. And I couldn't figure out how I knew him for the longest time. And then it suddenly came to me where I was like, oh, I think this guy is this random dude that I matched with way no. before. And and wow. so I'm sitting there and I'm like, and, and once the connection you know, made, was, was clicked in my mind, it all made sense. And I was 99% sure that this was the same person. And I'd never met him. I remembered what his name was. And I remembered that he was a chef and that he had a lot of tattoos. And that's how it sort of came <laughs> together for me. So I'm sitting there and I'm like thinking to myself, should I say anything? And I I, I definitely feel like I, I can be very brave and, and put myself out there in a lot of situations. But when it came to things like this, I a wimp so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking and I'm thinking and then finally I was like you know what either this will be a good story as it is right now hopefully right or it'll be a meet cute or it's not the person but either way I should say something because otherwise I'll always wonder about mm. it so I finally tapped him on his shoulder and he was sitting right next to me so it was very awkward yeah. so I tapped him on his shoulder and I said excuse me is your name you know I think his name is Paul is your name Paul and he said yes my name is Paul and he was really confused and I said I think we sort of know each other <laughs> and so <laughs> we started chatting a little bit and it turned out that it was him and it was really funny because then he said at, you know one point he was like give me your phone number so I gave him my phone number and the iPhone that I had at the time popped up all of our old messages. So I was like, see, it's proof. It's proof that we, that we knew each other at one point. And, um, and I was really excited because at the time I was very into chefs. And so I was trying to date as many chefs as possible because I really wanted to have somebody cook for me. And <laughs> I figured I wasn't I having any luck. <laughs> I was having no luck with, with regular guys. So I figured maybe a chef will be that person. So I was, I was, um, dating a lot of chefs at the time. And, uh, so I was really excited and he lived near me. And so, you know, it was sort of serendipitous. Like we lived in the same neighborhood, reconnected. And, you know, we had, um, I think we had like maybe one or two mutual friends even. So it just felt like the universe had brought us back together. But oh, I'm sorry wow. to say it does not have a happy ending because he set up a date with me. He promised that he was going to cook for me. I was so excited. And then he ghosted me. Ouch. <laughs> so, yep ghosted me yet again. And then ultimately, um, you know, I did a little like light Instagram stalking for a while. He ended up <laughs> dating somebody else who was a total polar opposite from me um, and then moved away. So it never ended up working out, but it was, uh, there was definitely, I, I will say, I'm really glad that I did say something just because I would have always wondered otherwise, but, yeah. um, and it was really fun just to kind of have that connection jump from the online world into the real world. Cause I think that's, for me, that was a lot of the dynamics of the time was I would have these deep, deep conversations with people. And then either we would meet and I would hate them in person <laughs> or we would never meet. And I'd always wonder about it. So it just felt like a nice, um, a nice moment where we had talked, we had a connection, we met, we had a connection. It didn't go anywhere, but at least it was a, it was something that I was able to to pull together there. Felicia, I'm curious to know how did you meet your spouse and what was the first thing 
that attracted you towards him? Was there something that really prompted you to pursue that relationship? Yeah. So we met online. Ah. <laughs> I will say I, I have met people in person, but very, very rarely. So most of my dating history, including my husband, uh, has come from the online world. So thanks, Internet. <laughs> Is there a favorite dating app? Well, this was a few years ago. So at the time I was doing a lot of different apps, but the two that I was working or working on that I was using <laughs> the most, I will say dating is like a full-time job. So it is sort of right. working. Um, the two that I was using the most were Tinder and Bumble. Huh. And this is actually how I met my husband because of the fact that I used these two apps. So I was kind of going back and forth. So I would, you know, use one for a little bit and then I would get tired of all the guys that I met and then I would use another one and then I would see the same people. <laughs> and so I was jumping back and forth and they're really similar apps, but they have mm. some differences or at least they had some differences when I was using them. And so at the time I was on Tinder, that's how, where and how I met my husband. So I was swiping away on Tinder. And I saw this profile pop up, which was his profile. And he, his first picture was a picture of a tombstone. And so I was interested to see what the rest of his pictures looked like because I didn't know what he looked like. And his profile that I could see was a little, it was funny and it was interesting. So I was interested to see what this person looked like. So what happened was I swiped up, but what I forgot and what I didn't realize was at the time, so if you swipe up on Bumble, it's to look at somebody's pictures. But if you swiped up on Tinder, it was a super like. So it wasn't just a right swipe, it was a super swipe. So I swiped up on this tombstone picture and it super liked him. And I was like, no, that's not what I meant to do. And so then I look at his profile and his pictures because I now matched with him and, I, and we had matched. So I am looking at his pictures and I probably would not have swiped on him if I had seen his pictures right away. Uh, he knows this, so it's nothing, it's no secret. But, you know, it was definitely, I think that's part of the complexity and beauty of online dating is it, there's a lot of visual aspect to it. But then also, you know, sometimes you might miss out on somebody. So, so I looked at his pictures. He was not at all my type. He was not the kind of guy that I would have swiped on. But like I said, I thought his profile was interesting and funny. And so I decided, you know what? I'm not really doing anything tonight. So I sent him a message. I did message him first. I sent him a message and I, and I lied. So I said, hey, his name is Steve. So I said, hey, Steve. Uh, I didn't mean to super like you, which was true, but the oh, lie, so being well, no, but I was a little both. It was both. So I, I did say, I didn't mean to super like you, but I only meant to like you. So I lied a little bit there. So I, yeah. I would not have liked him normally, but <laughs> I, um, I, I lied a little and then, you know, and, and so he responded and we started talking and what part of what attracted me to him and this relates back to the previous dating story that I just told you mm. is that he was not a chef, but he worked for a food truck. So at the time, oh. worked for uh, Chicken and Rice Guys, which in Boston is pretty famous. P everyone knows them. People love their food. And he worked in their marketing. So he he did a lot of like social media stuff for them. And so I was like, oh, okay. You know, like I like to eat. <laughs> I like chicken and rice, guys. So, um, and and he had talked about making, he he. I think he said in his profile that he had been experimenting with hummus cupcakes. And I was like, what's that about? Interesting. So, you know, we started talking and, and my belief has always been, I don't like having these long drawn out conversations just because huh. 
you never know, right? And so I do think that you have to establish the connection early and then meet to see if there's something there. So we decided to meet up for a drink. And when we got to the restaurant, he got there first and I walked in and I saw him and I was like, hmm. I don't know if he's really physically my type, but so I'll stop you here. Yeah. I want to know what is your type. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I mean, I'm not actively dating today, so right, I don't know right. what it would be today. But at the time, my friends would make fun of me because I was a sucker for like skinny white dudes, redheads with beards and tattoos. Like I was such a hipster. <laughs> So he was, you know, my, my husband is white, but first of all, his name is Steve and my dad's name is Steve. So that was a big no, no for me right off the bat. I was not into that. And, um, you know, he's, uh, he wasn't super tall and he was a little chubbier and chunkier, not overweight, but just, you know, body type was a little bit different, no tattoos, Um, (laughs) but you know, he's in the food world and that was intriguing to me. So uh, he was bald, which I wasn't, you know, a a fan of or against, but it was just, uh, you know, I was like looking for a redhead with a beard. He did have a beard and, you know, so, so I I walk in and I see him and I'm like, oh, I don't know, but I'm here. So again, like, you know, let's just see where this takes us. And I had had a really stressful day at work. So I walked down, I sit down and he said, how is, how's your week been? Because it was a Friday and I sort of just let go and like told him all this stuff and just was venting. And then I had to catch myself and I was like, oh my God, I don't even know you. (laughs) I'm so sorry for just unleashing on you. And he was like, no, it's totally fine. And then he started you know, sharing stuff from his world. And we had a really, really great conversation and it just flowed very naturally. Mm. And he brought me food. So he didn't bring me hummus cupcakes. Oh my gosh, Um, that's so nice. But he was experimenting with turmeric rice crispy treats at the time. And so he brought me some. Did you try? I did try them. It was something that they were experimenting with to do and and give out at Chicken Hmm. and Rice Guys, but it didn't make it to the menu, but it was pretty good. So I was like, oh, food. (laughs) Very motivated by food. Um, And, you know, and and we we went and had coffee afterwards and and walked around a little bit. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, you know, like this was a really nice date. Like, I don't know if I'm really... If the physical attraction is, is, is there off the bat, but I had a really good time. And what I really appreciated was when we ended the date and I got on the bus to go home, he immediately sent me a song that we had been talking about. So he sent me, he texted me to follow up. He sent me a song that referenced the conversation and we had talked about a potential next meeting and he followed up almost right away. So that I really appreciated because at the time I felt like I was the one who was always chasing people and even if the other guy was interested in me at the beginning, it would sort of flip very quickly. And then I would be the one to have to wonder, do they like me? Do they not like me? Is this gonna happen? Am I gonna see them again? And I just felt very secure in the knowledge that he liked me and I didn't have to, to do anything to figure that out. So we went on another date. And again, at the time, partially why I decided to, to pursue it with him to see where it would go is because I had had some very toxic dating experiences and Hmm. relationships. And I had been doing a lot of work in therapy 
to try mm. to break out of my patterns. And I knew that I had some really well-established patterns and mm. because he was so different than the kind of guy that I typically went for, I thought, okay, maybe I should try something different. And so we started, we just, you know, kind of started casually dating and it didn't, you know, it wasn't like suddenly I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so into this person, but he just was there and he was very genuine and very honest and really fun to hang out with. And I just had a really good time. And over a couple of weeks or months, I, I started realizing like, oh, like we're yeah. dating and I, I I like this. And, you know, it's not the same as it's been in the past, but that's why mm. it's working for me. And it worked. <laughs> so Absolutely. And it's so interesting because I wonder if lack of initial physical attraction led you to look at other aspects of Steve's personality yeah, I, I I think that's definitely part of it for sure. The other big piece of it, which was different, was that he is a recovering alcoholic, so he doesn't drink at all. And I had never really dated anyone who didn't drink before then, and I drank. And what I started to realize was that so much of my previous dating revolved around alcohol, right? Huh. So like I would meet somebody for a drink. I would go out and have a couple drinks with them. That's how I would tell if the date was going well, if they ordered another drink. So I started realizing like, oh, so many of my dates and my dating experiences are because I'm I'm tipsy or I'm drunk or <laughs> I'm making choices that maybe I wouldn't make otherwise. And and I'll be really honest, like when we first, you know, started like we we kissed and we started exploring the physical side of things mm. a little bit more, I didn't feel the butterflies right away that I had felt with other people. And I was really worried about that. But then I started thinking to myself, is it butterflies like people say there are, or has it always just been that I'm tipsy and I'm having the world spinning because yeah. I'm a little drunk? And and so I really, you know, again was working on this with, with therapists and and you know I was thinking about it a lot. But one of the other things that really kind of helped me gain some clarity on it was that. Um, before I had met him after another really bad sort of like failed relationship, I had actually, I, I like to journal. And so in my journal, I said to myself, you know what, I need to break out of this pattern. So how can I do that? So let me write down all the things that I, I really want in a partner. And these were things that I would always compromise on. And so I was like, what do I actually really want out of somebody that will be good for me in my next relationship? So I wrote down this long list of things. And so what was on top of that list? Oh my gosh, I don't remember what was on top of it. Um, it was probably something like text me back within a reasonable time frame. <laughs> um, uh, I do remember that I didn't write down doesn't drink, but I did write down doesn't get drunk all the time because I did date a lot of guys who, you know, would, would drink a lot. And then that would impact how we interacted or the dates that we had, or, you know, the kind of conversations we had. And, um, and so I did write, you know, I don't like, like drinking is fine, but not to excess. And so then after, I don't remember when I looked at this list after Steve and I had started dating, but I did ultimately go back and I looked at it and I wanted to see how did he match up to the list that I came up with. And he basically checked off like everything on the list. Oh, wow. And that was a big moment for me because I realized, you know what, like, this is like, this is what I put out into the universe. And maybe some of my hesitation isn't because of him. It's because I'm so used to 
having this negative pattern or having different kinds of interactions that when it's something really good for me, I'm not used, I, I don't recognize that, right? So it was really helpful just to look and say, oh, actually these are the things that passed me said she wanted and here it is. And so and now I have them. to decide like, okay, is is this me sabotaging myself when I'm wondering about, is this going to work or not? Or is it me not recognizing something really good because I've never really had that in the past? Do you consider yourself a total immigrantly buff or perhaps a budding fan taken with the stories? Well, then you must subscribe to our Patreon. As a member, you'll have access to exclusive episodes, behind the scenes content, and so much more. Go to patreon.com forward slash immigrantly and hit join. And thank you for all your support. It's such an incredible story. You bring up such an important point about drinking. And I wonder, people who are listening to us right now, our listeners, if they've had, you know, instances where their judgment was basically marred by their drinking habits and they didn't really get to know somebody beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. Because drinking is pretty normalized in American society and therefore mm -hmm. it's not part of somebody's consciousness to investigate their relationship with or without drinking. Um, right. So it would be an interesting exercise to do that and see where somebody's relationship stands without it. Yeah. And I also think that what it did was, I agree completely with what you just said, 100%. And I, and I also think that it it allowed us or it gave us um, like an avenue into some slightly deeper conversation topics uh -huh. than we maybe would have gotten to right away, right? Because he told me before we even met that he didn't drink. And so even before we met, I'm asking him questions like, are you, you know, like, should we meet at a bar? Is that okay? And he had suggested that we meet at a bar. So it wasn't from yeah. my perspective, but, um, you know, so I'm asking him like, is that going to be okay for you? Do you mind if I drink? And then, you know, we had a lot of conversations like, why don't you drink? And, you know, he's sharing stuff with me. And so it did give us a little bit more, um, less superficial connection, right? Because a lot yeah. of times when you start meeting someone, you're like, you know, where do you live? What do you do for work? Do you have siblings? Or the sort of standard questions, but this was a little bit deeper. So you're someone who is living with disabilities and you've been very open about it, right? Um, in fact, you tweeted for International Day of Persons with Disabilities, and I will quote that tweet. It's International Day of Persons with Disabilities today. For a long time, I spent as much effort as I could hiding my disabilities, but now I am celebrating them, unquote. It's a beautiful tweet. I wonder why did you feel the pressure to hide your disabilities and what prompted you to shift or move from that frame of thinking? Yeah, so I am hard of hearing, so I wear hearing aids. I'm partially deaf. And it's genetic. So I've had this since I was born, but I didn't know. And my, my family didn't know until I was probably around six or seven years old, which is very delayed when it comes to things like speech processing and developing language. So I do feel very lucky as a side note that I, I speak as well as I am able to and that I haven't had much cognitive 
issues because I didn't have the hearing aids until then. But I did get hearing aids when I was that young. And um, I do have hearing loss in both of my ears. So today I wear hearing aids in both ears. But when I originally got my hearing aids when I was seven, at the time, the technology was not as advanced as it is today. And they were a lot more visible, bigger, and much more of a stigma. And so the doctor, the audiologist, and my parents decided that it would be less of a stigma to wear just one and have that compensate for the other ear. So that's what I did. So basically from age seven till probably, gosh, I don't even know, 20, 27, maybe 30, I wore only one hearing aid. And I didn't even consciously get that I should or could wear two hearing aids. And there's other things involved too, like it's expensive. And again, the technology has shifted a lot. But when I was growing up, I just turned 40. So I was growing up in the 80s and 90s. My family, my parents, and sort of like the the people I met, it, it just felt like it was something I had to hide. So when I would go get a haircut, my mom would tell them, make sure you don't cut her hair so it doesn't cover her ears so that she can hide the hearing aid. I remember being in first grade and having kids say, you know, what's in your ear and just sound disgusted by it. And, Mm. and so I was just sort of taught that I should hide it. And I did, you know, it's not that I completely hit it. So I did tell people that I, you know, had, had this and I sometimes couldn't hear, but I, I also think that we just didn't even have the support in place that we do now that's available. So like now, you know, you and I are chatting over Zoom and we could have closed captions if we needed it. Um, But when I was growing up, we just, it wasn't part of the sort of consciousness, right? And so then once I moved to Boston, so I was living in Boston for about 15 years. And when I moved up there, I had to get a new audiologist because I had moved away from my previous one. And I remember that's when it sort of clicked for me because my audiologist said to me, you need two hearing aids. And I was like, no, why do I need two hearing aids? I only need one. And she was like, look at your chart. You have hearing loss in both ears. You shouldn't just be wearing one. And I was like, but I've been just fine. And, and so she convinced me to try it. And, and so I, I tried it out and I remember walking outside for the first time with both hearing aids in and I could hear snow falling. And I was just like, Oh, oh my God. Why have I been doing this to myself for so long? And and then I just and it, again, it's not that I I actively was hiding in a way. Like I, my friends all knew. If I was, I went to grad school. That was the first thing that I would tell my new professors. Hey, I have this. You know, I, I can't always hear things right away. If I answer with a yes no and it wasn't a yes no question, that's probably why. I would sit at the front of the class, and you know, it wasn't that I I actively hid it, but it wasn't something that I was actively sharing either. And so that really kind of. Um, flipped the switch in my brain. Cause I was like, I have not even been experiencing life to the, f- I haven't even been hearing things that I should have been hearing for the past, you know, 20, 30 years. And so I remember I posted that on Facebook and I was like, I can hear all this stuff that I'd never heard before. It's amazing. And I, and a family member reached out to me and said privately and said, why did you share that? And I was like, cause it's amazing. <laughs> and their response was, I think, I don't think you should share that publicly. What? And I was just like, okay, that's the, that's the old mindset, but this is the new mindset, you know? And I just, I remember telling this person, I was like, this is who I am. And if people have a problem with it, then that's not somebody I want 
you know, to interact with or be in my life. And everyone knows already. So it's not like, I mean, and maybe there were people who didn't know, but I was just like, there's only benefit to be gained by it. And if someone is going to judge me or look at me differently, then again, like that's their problem. That's not my problem. So, so again, like it wasn't an active thing where I sort of had this revelation per se, but I did, you know, I would say like in my thirties is really when not just around the hearing aid stuff, but in general, I did feel like I started to come into my own a little bit more. Like I felt like I was more mature. I felt like I was more able to live my life the way I wanted to live it. Um, I was less shy. I was doing things, you know, I was, I had gone to grad school, I was working and I just decided like, this is part of who I am and I'm just going to talk about it. And that's, that's just how it's going to be. So that's kind of where I'm at at this point. And, you know, and I have other things going on, like I've got some chronic illnesses here and there. Cause like, who doesn't have a couple other things to add to the list, but, um, yeah, it was just, I was like, this is, this is it. And, you know, and I actually should talk about it because the other side of the coin is that there's so much disability that is invisible. And I think that's part of why, you know, not just me personally, but the people that I, you know, in my family that I interacted with my doctors, that's, I think that's part of the thinking was that if you hide this, it will benefit you. But then the, the downside is if you hide it, then people don't aren't aware that these things exist, right? And a lot of times with disability, we sort of default to thinking about wheelchairs or people who have physical issues, like a missing limb or whatever else it might be. And, and that's fine because that exists and that's real. But then there's also a lot of things that are hidden or not as visible, which that's the category I fall into. And so I just wanted to be more vocal about it to just let people know, like, this is a thing and it exists and I'm young. You know, I used to go to my audiologist with my grandmother. <laughs> so I would be <laughs> sitting there with my grandmother and I'd be seven, eight years old and I'd be the youngest person in the room. And it was an experience that no one that I knew had, right? Like no one else that I knew could commiserate with what it felt like or what the things I had to do you know, we're like, and so I was like, why can't I, I can be that person for other people. At what point did you start owning this part of your identity in your romantic relationships? I, I think it's not something that I would lead with necessarily. Um, if I started becoming, you know, if I started dating somebody or if, you know, we like they were spending the night or something, it would come up because, that's part of my bedtime routine is I take my mm. hearing aids out. Um, it, sometimes it really, I guess it would depend because again, for example, if my hearing aid battery were to die and I would want to replace it, I, I, even before I had this sort of like revelation with the two hearing aids, you know, I would pull it out of my ear and replace the battery. And so that would sometimes prompt a discussion and say, oh, you know, this is a thing that I, that's part of me. And that's, you know, it, you know, do you have questions or anything like that? But it's not something that would always come up. Um, but again, like if we were physical, if, if it was uh, an ongoing dating type of thing, then it would generally come up. And I can't remember anyone ever having a negative reaction to it that I know of. <laughs> um, you know, but again, I think part of it too is explaining. It, it's it was always helpful to to discuss it just because it explains you know, if we're in a crowded restaurant and I can't really hear you, that's why I'm saying, what did you say? Or that's why I might answer differently because I'm trying to fake it because I thought you asked me something, but you asked me something totally different. Or if my hearing aid 
battery dies and I don't have a backup, you know, that's something to be aware of. So, so it just, it sort of would, would come up every now and then. Um, you asked me in the beginning if I had any funny dating stories and another one that just came to mind was I met this guy before I met Steve and we went on a great date and, you know, I, I went back to his place. And then um, it was the first time I ever slept over on the first date. So I was really, really awkward about it. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. What's the protocol? <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, slept over. And then I got up really early in the morning because I was just like really stressed out about sleeping over. And I thought to myself, oh, well, like, what should I do? All right. Well, the movies have all told me I should leave a note and then sneak away. So that's basically <laughs> what I did. But the problem was that the guy woke up while I was trying to sneak away. And then the further problem, and he he was like, stay here. And I'm like, no, 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 I got to go. My cat needs me. And <laughs> it was really awkward. But then what happened was I left and then I had to come back because I forgot my jacket. And then I left and I had to come back because I couldn't figure out how to open the front door. Oh, and no. so I finally I'm leaving for the third time. I'm like, this is the worst experience ever. It's so embarrassing. I can't believe this is happening right now. So much for sneaking away, you know, uh, stealthily. So I'm walking down this, his staircase. And the only reason that I realized this was because my boots sounded different on the stairs than I was expecting. And I realized Oh crap, I left my hearing aids in his apartment. And oh. honestly, Sadia, if it had been like jewelry, I would have just left it and gone because I was like, there's no way I'm going back for the third time. <laughs> and I was like, and I, I I really had like a moment on in the staircase where I was like, should I just leave them? <laughs> And I was like, no, you idiot. You can't leave your hearing aids. First of all, they're really expensive. Second of all, you need them. So I went back in for the third time and I was like, just me getting literally the most important thing in my life that I've left in your apartment and <laughs> bye forever. <laughs> Can you share with our listeners your best tried and true dating advice? Oof. <laughs> well, I will say when I was single and dating and I would get advice from people, I would hate it because I'd always be like, that might have worked for you, but it's not going to work for me. So, you know, people would say, just got to wait. Your person is out there or like every bad relationships getting you closer to your next one. And now that I'm married, I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to get her. I have no other good advice, but I would say the only thing I would share really, and this is something I have thought about because while I love my husband and I'm super happy with our relationship, you know, sometimes I think like if I were single again, like, would I even want to date somebody just because it can be so stressful and, it can be fun, but it can also be a lot of work and not so fun. And, and so I thought about this and I think the advice that I would give others as well as potential me is just really be true and honest to yourself because part of my destructive pattern with dating in the past was that I would, I would be attracted to somebody or I would be intrigued by them or, you know, have a good, good first connection with them. Um, but I would compromise on things that were really important to me. And so I would start to try to fit into what I thought they wanted. And that's, it would never work, right? So it never, ever worked for me. And this, and so partially why I do think that my relationship with my husband is A, has worked out and B is so strong is because I've never had to compromise on who I am from day one. And it's always just been me. And I've never had to 
dress up or worry about what he was thinking or, you know, um, moderate how I was like what I was saying or doing, or even I would have a lot of guys in the past be really intimidated by the fact that I owned my own business and I was successful and I was making money and I've never had any of that. And so I think that's really my advice is just be yourself and be really true to yourself and don't force yourself to be something that you're not. And the minute that that red flag comes up or you don't get that, you know, that text message back or something is goes off the rails or you're disrespected in any way, the minute that happens, walk away. And I really, truly wish, again, I don't wish to be single uh, pretty much ever again, but if I could go back and do it over again, that would be the biggest change is I would walk away immediately if something happened that was not what I wanted, as opposed to trying to drag it out or to make myself someone different. I would just walk away and have more respect for myself. I love it. I love it. But I wonder if it has anything to do with what phase of your life you're in right now versus in your 20s mm-hmm. um, because you, yeah. you mentioned it's different right it is especially for women we are more insecure of ourselves we try to please others at least I was like that in my 20s so I wonder if it has anything to do with that yeah I, I think that's definitely part of it and you know again like I, I can look back now with my 40 year old brain versus my 20 it's really different Part of it, I think, was I was very insecure for a very long time. And, you know, I was heavier. I had a lot, I, I, I dated at all ages and weights and things like that, but I was very overweight for a long time. And then I had lost a lot of weight. And I always thought that magically when I lost the weight, that it would transform my dating life. And the only reason that it sucked was because I was I was overweight. And newsflash, it got more complicated after I lost weight. It didn't solve any problems. It made new problems come up. Um, but I do think there's a lot of insecurity there. And I do think that, again, this is the advice that like I hated hearing and I hate giving people. But part of it is like you learn from every bad experience, right? Like you learn a little bit. But then I think the part that I didn't always do was I didn't always implement those learnings. So I, <laughs> I knew intellectually what I was learning, but then I would just do the same thing over again. So that's where I say, you know, yes, I do think that, um, again, like if I were to do it over again, knowing and having had the experiences that I've had, I would be really different. But I, to your point too, I do think that there's a lot of societal pressure to be coupled, to have kids, to go down sort of traditional gender norm pathways, almost all my friends are married with kids, Uh, not all of them, but a vast majority of them are. And I got married just, you know, in 2020 COVID wedding and definitely felt like I was way behind the curve when that happened. Again, like I, I think that there's been a shift, especially in the last couple of years where people are realizing like, oh, I don't have to do what my parents did, or I don't have to do what my friends did. And oh, my friends who got married in their early twenties, like maybe that wasn't actually the best thing for them. And maybe it was, but you know, I was jealous then maybe I should be thrilled. (laughs) I don't have to deal with certain (laughs) things now. Um, and the other thing too, is that people change really dramatically as they age. I think absolutely. So the person, the person that I was at 21 is completely different than the person I am today. And, and that's partially, you know, going back to things like attraction and what we're looking for. I think that's partially why that changed a lot for me as well. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I tell my husband, like if anything ever happens and 
you know, we are not together for whatever reason. I'm just going to get another cat and I'm just going to be a cat lady because <laughs> I'm secure in what I, what I am right now. And, and that's all good. So I love it. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for your time. You are welcome. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. I had a blast. Felicia is such a great conversationalist. Today's episode, by the way, was written by Anushka Rai and Yudi Liu, edited by Bronte Cook and produced by Kylie C. Roberts and me, Sadia Khan, with help from Asad Bhatt from Refilion Media. Special thanks to our development producer, Eliza Kazmi. Until next time, when we have another incredible story, take care.